Down on the road with mountains so old, far on the countryside. Birds on the wing forgetting the wild, so I'm headed for the leeward side. The beaches they sell to build their hotels My fathers and I once knew The birds all along the sunlight at dawn Singing Waimanalo blues Welcome to The Kingless Generation, a podcast on the deep history of class struggle, paleo-parapolitics, and the demonology of capital. I'm your host... Fergal Schmoodlock. So I have a, an episode today that's a bit more newsy, it's a bit more parapolitics focused, and uh, some, some spicy takes, uh, which, you know, I want to say right at the outset, if this is one of your first episodes of The Kingless Generation that you're listening to, please go back to an earlier episode, and I think that'll give you uh, a better sense of sort of what this podcast is about. Because parapolitics can be scary for some people, right? Like I, I saw somebody, a leftist recently, uh, posting about, uh, you know, oh, you know, this person, see this right-wing person, you can see there's a right-wing person, they're into conspiracy theories about UFOs. They believe in UFOs. So therefore, you can see how people who believe in conspiracy theories are probably right-wingers. Which is really interesting as well, that example, because the U.S. government officially believes in UFOs. They want you to believe in UFOs now. So if you don't believe in UFOs, which I think that's correct, I don't, I think UFOs are fake. Um, and they've been a psyop to, to sort of, you know, limited hangout, we would say, in the uh, parapolitical, the parapolitical kids on the parapolitical street. Uh, that's what we'd say. <laughs> okay, um... But, uh, you know, that's the thing. If you don't believe in UFOs, which I don't, uh, that now you're the conspiracy theorist. So that's a bad example if you want to say that, you know, people who care about parapolitics are, can't be leftists or can't, right, be socialists. Uh, no, I mean, come on. Uh, this is not true. So I want to argue that. However, however, you know, if this is one of your first episodes, maybe don't listen to this right away. If you do listen to this, keep an open mind and try not to fall into liberal kind of branding thinking. Oh, this is the kind of thing that someone says who also is a racist or also likes Trump or, or, or whatever, right? And that's the whole point of this episode, actually, right, is that uh, this is happening very actively. We are being sort of messaged that, uh, you know, people who care about this are on this side and the and people who care about this are on the other side and that those sides are very carefully set up and chosen so that it doesn't matter which side you choose uh, you're going to be misdirected and misled with respect to the true contradiction the true uh, forces of history which is overwhelmingly the class divide class politics relations of production and that's how they're going to get you to stop thinking about relations of production. And that's how they're going to get you to support things that actually help them to suppress uh, people to trying to change relations of production. And so we need the skill to just independently be critical thinkers and look at every issue on its merits. And sometimes that is not happening, you know, particularly on the left these days. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about like a debate 
with somebody that will remain uh, just an anonymous kind of voice. But, uh, you know, people can sometimes be in kind of liberal kind of cultural spheres and stuff and have sort of investments in certain kinds of respectability and certain kinds of branding, right? And if you deviate from the accepted branding, oh, am I committing a, you know, ideological sin? Well, you know, you need to actually analyze the concrete material conditions. And that's what we try to do at The Kingless Generation. And that's my pledge to you. We shy away from no subject, and I hope you'll understand. That's why we're doing this. Uh, if you can't get if you can't get with it right now, forgive me. If you totally disagree with this and never listen to the Kingless Generation again, I hate that guy. But then you later realize, oh, he was right. I forgive you. But here we go. You know, I was just listening to uh, Ed Opperman, uh, a real interesting kind of old episode in which he talks about how uh, when Dave McGowan was on his deathbed, um, when they might have, yeah, maybe they really did get him with a cancer gun. Um, You can probably induce cancer with a microwave, maybe that would be. Uh, When they start, they've been developing those weapons since the 60s, at least, we know. I mean, that's that's real. Um, And so, you know, that would be my read on the whole Havana syndrome thing. they're going to make it look as silly as they can, and then they're going to start using it on dissidents, domestic dissidents, and nobody will listen to them when they start telling about, you know, I'm getting hearing sounds and getting headaches and suddenly getting cancer all over my body from microwaves, and everybody say, oh, you got a sad, you're just like all those people at Langley, right? <laughs> this is a great example um, of the topic that I actually have to discuss today which is all different kinds of gladio maybe or like you know shows that are put on to a kind of hall of mirrors of different kinds of rodeo clowns that are getting thrown up by the security state on social media um, as part of as they say uh, preventing disinformation um, which really means regime propaganda right i'd like to say that looking around we can see that cointelpro uh, just like became American culture itself. That's kind of it's a big part of what I have to talk about today, I think. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a little more newsy episode. I mentioned that I just had coronavirus, right? Um, and uh, I got through it. I love it. I, I feel uh, great. I wish you a similarly easy time with it. And so, quick disclaimer, I am not a medical doctor. This is not professional medical advice, but it is amateur uh, medical uh, experience, just telling you my own experience, right? Uh, as someone who reads a lot of scientific studies and looks at, you know, what drugs are looking like they might have a beneficial effect, and you can follow this, and I do recommend as a human being that you uh, follow this because I think that we can admit at this point that a lot of the whole medical system in depending which country you're in, but really every country uh, is captured to various degrees by capital. And when something is captured by capital, the number one concern, uh, although there are some countries where they're doing pretty good as far as the number one concern being actually right, protecting the life of the people, right? But 
the more capital is involved, the less that protecting the life of the people is going to be the number one priority. So we do have to, we're forced to rely on our own critical thinking skills at some point, right? Because you can see very clearly whatever capital says, masks on, masks off, uh, it's safe for children, it's not safe for children. Where Pfizer has pulled their application for safety certification for the mRNA vaccines for children, uh, their stock crashed, etc. Okay, so you know I wish that we had a actual government that worked for the people, right? Um, a dictatorship of the proletariat is what uh, the pros would call that, I think. But uh, and and then you know the protecting the life of the people would be the priority, but that's not what we have. Right. So just a quick disclaimer, no part of this podcast is intended as professional medical advice. But hey, what I would swear by is really antivirals, anti-inflammatories. You can take Camostat, Molnupiravir uh, on the antiviral side. And right there, I feel like that's the most important thing. For anti-inflammatories, I took fluvoxamine. Um, I took metformin. Carbocysteine, which clears out your lungs, obvious reasons, that'd be good. Particularly uh, in the recovery phase, when I was feeling a little short of breath, I never got coughs. You know, I only got like four days of, only got like four days of fever, because uh, I had, I happened to be taking the antivirals right from the start, because um, I was alerted to the possibility that we might, I might be getting it. Um, let me hasten to add, I support vaccines. I believe in vaccines. Uh, mRNA technology is a gene therapy that is, that's not a vaccine, actually. Uh, calling it a vaccine this time was a very political thing. And there's a video that just came out of a guy uh, from Pharma. I forget exactly who he is, but I, I link it. I have it on the Twitter feed. And did the Discord just coming out and saying, you know, such a we couldn't have gotten all these people to take this experimental gene therapy RNA, uh, but by calling it a vaccine and having this coronavirus pandemic, hey, now we've got all these people trying this new thing, right? That we wanted to get, we wanted to normalize, right? Even that, if it had some kind of beneficial effect, great, you know, examine it, let's use it, uh, whatever, um, whatever kind of technology it is. But of course, technology always has uh, class-based uses. It can be used for class warfare in all kinds of ways. And I think we really want to keep our eyes open about this. This is something I want to say. But yeah, in general, I support vaccines I support masks, right? I'm, I'm going to hasten to say this. But so, you know, your viral load of like how many viruses that are active are actually in your body uh, is going to actually peak very early in any virus. And ironically, by the time you would be choking on your own phlegm and, and everything, your fate is kind of sealed because the number of active viruses in your body by that point is actually going to be pretty low. So you could take an antiviral then when, when you finally get a, accepted to the hospital, and uh, it's not going to help you very much. And what's going to determine how bad it gets is really sort of how quickly that virus is able to replicate inside your body at the beginning of the infection. At least that's one factor, surely. Uh, this is not a controversial thing to say. And so... Uh, if there, and there are well-known, well-known drugs that would, that reduce this. So 
um, taking having those early on and hitting it with that right away uh, would seem like a real good idea. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but that's what I did, and I had an easy time. And by now, doesn't it seem kind of strange that there's just this strong taboo against actually treating this virus, right? No treating it. Don't try to take anything. Don't try to do anything. Just sit at home by yourself until you're choking on your own phlegm. Then you can come to the hospital. You have to just, right? Uh, Why? The only thing you're allowed to do is just get the vaccines, right? That's the only thing you're allowed to do, which, you know, normally I would say, yeah, vaccines are great. Um, but why are you saying, yeah, you can't treat it? Um, unclear. We'll just put that on the table. But you can get a doctor to prescribe you uh, prophylactically, right? Or, uh, you know what? Fuck it. I use uh, one that's for specialized to Japan, but their American English website is buypharma.com. I'll give them a free shout out. And also, you know what I will say? It was very interesting that a couple of, uh, you know, a little while ago on Chapo, Matt Christman came right out and said, he admitted, yeah, the mass media lied about, what was it called? Ivermectin. And he somehow folded this into a larger point about how no one is actually controlling anything or orchestrating media takes. And it's all just market forces on the hot take free market. There's no sort of id or there's no ego. Yeah, I guess like there's no controlling driving will behind any kind of ruling class move, which is a common thing on the left, I'm afraid, right? I mean, people, there's a line you can draw with people who are blue-pilled about parapolitics, we will say, right? Or they will, they'll take a moment to uh, go ahead and kick leftward on the issue. I really think it is leftward, in fact, on the issue of uh, so-called conspiracy theories, right? Because, as I hope my listeners would know, that is a term that was invented by the CIA to smear anyone engaging in any kind of class politics whatsoever. That's what conspiracy theory actually means, right? So, you can try to be make a show of being one of the good, reasonable ones and so on, but uh, at the end of the day, that smear is going to be directed right back at you. Everything needs to be based on evidence. You know, we have an, a, we're scientific around here, of course, but uh, I don't accept those those kind of slurs for a reason that is, is clear from this example, okay, I really want to let that, let this sink in here, what happened, because he was one of the people who a certain day, just uh, maybe about a year ago, I think it was last year, spring, some one fine spring morning, Japan time, I woke up and looked at my phone, and all of the dirtbag left figures of any kind, Ken Klippenstein to Chapo and everybody was suddenly marching in lockstep saying that ivermectin is horse paste, it's a goat dewormer, it's a lobster enema, I don't know, every all this gross stuff involving animals and things. It was always involving like, you know, domestic farm animals or, or something. Uh, and this this seems like you know, we we hadn't found out yet uh, that the Pfizer pill, Pfizer's COVID pill to actually treat COVID, which up until that point was a total taboo. That was the one thing you're supposed to never do is try to actually treat this virus. 
You have to just sit there until your lungs might start building up with fluid, uh, at which point the viruses are actually gone from your body and you're kind of fucked, actually. Uh, but then, then you go to the hospital and they'll put you on a ventilator and you, maybe you'll, you'll probably die, right? A little bit weird here. You know, I think at this point we can all kind of, ima- we can all kind of admit that how weird that is, yeah, uh, and really let it sink in. What does that mean, okay? And another thing that you have to really think, what does it mean, is the actual real existence in this world of the video of Peter Daszak, the CEO of Echo Health Alliance, which is the paper company, the kind of shell company of DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Administration of the American Army, which created the internet and does all kinds of other uh, interesting things, right? Peter Daszak in 2016, the year 2016, year of our Lord, is saying, my colleagues in China are adding the spike protein onto bat coronaviruses so that they can attach to human cells. And the reason they're doing this is to see what a naturally generated, spontaneously arisen pandemic-causing coronavirus would look like, hypothetically, if it existed. So we're going to make it exist. We're going to actually create it. We did create it. He said in 2016, that is a real piece of video that exists. And any, I leave it to you what your theory, what your understanding of this whole thing is from, from there. But you must take that into account. That is a real thing that exists, okay? If you have not seen it, you have to Google it. Peter, D-A-S-Z, or is it C-A-K, 2016. My colleagues in China, I think you can still find it. They probably still haven't scrubbed it, but it's there. Uh, but at the time, you know, but we can look. We could, Even at the time, there were some people, myself included, who were saying, like, this seems perfectly calculated to gross out kind of urban... You know, not necessarily only bougie people, but certainly people in the first world, right, who don't live in countries where they get tropical diseases, which Japan is a country that does sometimes get tropical diseases. So you can get that easily for humans. It's not just for animals. Okay, it's a Nobel Prize winning drug. It's saved millions of people from river blindness. People take it all the time. Uh, there's all you know, it gets rid of uh, tropical parasites and, and jungle diseases and stuff. Right. Um, but you know, this, uh, the sentiment that this kind of smear relies upon is really interesting, isn't it? Oh, and by the, of course, um, you, if you didn't know, uh, there was this story that came out and got echoed, amplified to the stratosphere that uh, hospitals in Florida or Texas or something were filling up with people overdosing on ivermectin, which yeah, don't overdose on any, any, any medicine. I think you only want to take ivermectin at maximum five days, just once a day for five days. Oh, oh, but I forgot to say, so the COVID pill turned out to, to be uh, and have contained a protease inhibitor, exactly what ivermectin is. It's a protease inhibitor, okay? So, and you can find the Pfizer spokesperson sort of saying, explaining this and being like, well, it's, it's like the right amount of protease inhibitor. It's, a, it's the right strength, whereas, you know, ivermectin is not, you know, the right... Whatever. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you could just take, you know, maybe we could investigate that. We could we could find what is the correct amount of ivermectin because that's a UN certified 
essential drug that every country is recommended to stockpile. Okay, and it's, it's not patented. It's easy to get. We know how it works. It's very safe. Um, people don't get side effects from it taking it normally, right? Uh, and you can see the data. You know, there's a famous kind of graph that goes around. Uh, I'll put it up again on the, on the Discord if you want, if you want to join. You can see it on there, right? Uh, countries in Africa where they were taking ivermectin anyway as a prophylactic against parasites... Uh, the death rates from coronavirus are so much less. And just very recently, there was another study that came out where ivermectin outperformed the the vaccines, the mRNA vaccines, two to one. Uh, and that fact did not make it into the abstract of the paper. <laughs> they don't write about it. But if you look at the data, this is the case, okay? So interesting stuff. Um, meanwhile, back in the spring, right, um, it's horse paced, you know, it, it seems pitch perfect, uh, calibrated to sort of, um, work very covertly off of disgust actually with horse pasturers and goat herders, right? Isn't it like, that's why this is horse paced, right? What a very left wing sentiment to be appealing to there. And so this very guy, he comes out and he, he admitted it. He said, yes, the media told the lied or the media hid the truth about ivermectin um and maybe he maybe you know if you asked him about that he could maybe say oh i was joking but no i think too many people have like heard that it's a protease inhibitor in the covid pfizer's pill you know that's patented and expensive and everything so anyway trust the science of uh antivirals like camostat and molnupiravir um even if you know if maybe ivermectin's scary don't worry about it. Uh, take antivirals. You know that those work against viruses, right? Okay. Well, this is a virus. Your virus load will peak in the first couple days of your infection and having fever and stuff. So I would say that the moment you feel fever, you take it. This is what I've been doing, right? And this time it really was the real thing. And I was right there with it. And I, ha I was able to kept the viral count down. So you can imagine I'm feeling good. I cheated death. Uh, may you cheat death as well whatever kind of way you can. And uh, also think about that. What does that mean that, that the, um, the dirtbag left in lockstep did that, right? I don't think it means that uh, market forces on the hot take marketplace are driving everything, okay? I think it's going to be an important and decisive di difference among different leftists going forward in this crucial time. Uh, who is able to really look at the bad guys, who is able to really analyze parapolitics, right? And who is blue-pilled on things. I definitely have to give a big shout-out to Briad E. Hulon of the Probably Cancelled podcast. That's Comrade B-R-I-G-I-D on Twitter. Um, she has locked because she's not blue-pilled on BioGladio, nor on the sex trade. And, uh most people are so um she's been taking some flack and she's been called right wing um i also recently been called right wing by someone that uh will remain nameless here although if they really want to come out and and do this uh have a debate uh that i would do that but i wouldn't advise that to be honest <laughs> like i think let's just definitely let that be a anonymous uh voice out there 
that will not identify will not name associate that with anybody's name right now but i'll just let it be a uh, interlocutor right here for this conversation they ended up in this place where they were just saying like oh you know it's okay if we lose all all civic uh society and freedoms we'll just get arrested and we'll do a big free huey uh movement you know that's don't you know about the black panthers they just got together you um everybody said free huey and it was awesome so yeah get arrested now you know i think i think this person is just um not yeah i mean they're really making me self-crit for all the times that i was super critical of like new comrades that i would meet like oh, i bet you're not i bet you're not as left-wing as me I ended up saying some kind of adventurist things like, you know, I mean, you have this sentiment like, oh, we got to go do something right now. We got to do something. I think maybe everybody goes through kind of a phase like that. Uh, and this person, this voice that uh, I was talking to, this voice that was in my head the other day uh, was saying something like, yeah, freedom is a bourgeois liberal idea. Uh, if all freedoms are abolished, it'll be fine. We'll just get arrested, and the whole uh, the the masses will rise up to to come free me personally. I don't know. So, regardless of you know whether you like, no, I, that doesn't mean that you accept any given formation, right? You you, you must support the truckers. No, no. And let me say, uh, I'm totally in support of masks. Masks seem to do something to spread, stop the spread of disease. Uh, that's a very common thing here in Japan, even before the pandemic to do, uh, if you were sick as a, as a courtesy, um, whatever, I think it does something. That's great. Um, what if the science though, shows that we no longer need it, let's, let's, uh, no longer do it. However, um, let's be scientific above all. Because there's a point where the limitations on freedom of movement and so on, you have to start to wonder, like, uh, how much of this is because the ruling class is desperate to just lock down society in whatever way they can in preparation for the coming climate crisis. That's what everybody... I really think you should be on this tip. I recognize the way that the parapolitical forces are way better dialectical thinkers than most people on the left. They're much more dialectical and they know like things happen in conversations. What can we set up, you know, what kind of left right binary can we set up such that no matter which side you choose, the ruling class wins, right? And a great way to do that is to put a lot of very valid criticisms of stuff that is going on in the mouths of right-wing branded people, uh, at least in what you get behind, in front of the cameras, and then that shit coats it as right-wing. Only right-wing people care about freedom. Only right-wing people care about civil rights. Okay, this is something. But I will say, okay, here are my go-to quotes. I got to read these, all right? So... So basic stuff, freedom of movement, okay? I know that late Cold War politics was set up in such a way that the right was set at on the libertarianism, right? And right, many right-wing ideas are framed as libertarian, small government, all of this stuff, right? But that's not a core, you know, that's not actually at the core of freedom. You know, freedom is, is a left-wing idea. It's not a right-wing idea. You know, it's only secondarily that... Um, I mean, yes, if you have total perfect uh, 
freedom. Well, but it's not freedom. The right wing uses the state. The, the ruling class uses state power. They use state power all the time, even and especially when they totally get their way and they get whatever kind of libertarian uh, utopia in, uh, in... There was some place in Vermont, right, where some... Ironically, Vermont, where some libertarians took over and the, everybody got ended up getting eaten by bears or something. I don't know. But yeah, they're, they're using state power, though, to actually like funnel money from state coffers into their own pockets. Uh, freedom is not a right-wing idea, okay? Look back at the founding figures of the socialist tradition. Uh, there happens to be a convenient set of quotations that come from Lars T. Liz, Lenin Rediscovered in which he is mustering all these quotes to argue that Lenin is not in any way devaluing freedom of expression because he vehemently opposes any restrictions on freedom of expression as, as does the whole tradition he belongs to before, during, and after the time when he wrote what is to be done. And therefore, to the extent that civil freedoms were curtailed in ultimately in the Soviet Union, that was not an essential sort of thing that came from Lenin and from his uh, actual betrayal of, of ideals of freedom at some point, right? Which is the received kind of reading of what is to be done. Lars T. Le is overturning this. So that's why Lars T. Le is... Uh, collecting all these quotes, but it's convenient uh, because we can apply. It's the same uh, kind of, it's a similar question, right? It's, it's applicable as well to the question of like, um, is uh, not wanting the go a government, especially governments that are totally obviously broad daylight, captured by big pharma, Right. Um, and saying just whatever the fuck Big Pharma wants them to say today. Masks on, masks off, whatever. You know, it doesn't. <laughs> can you tell by now? Can you not see by now? OK, so um, Kautsky, first of all, Kautsky in his days as basic, you know, I mean, he was important. All right. Like he later had the split with Lenin and stuff, but he was a very important figure. OK. And he was instrumental in the early struggle of the social democratic movements. And this is from that time where the working class bestirs itself, where it makes the first attempts to elevate its economic position. It puts political demands next to purely economic ones, namely demands for freedom of association, of assembly, of the press. These freedoms have the greatest significance for the working class. They are among the conditions that makes its life possible and to which it unconditionally owes its development. They are light and air for the proletariat. He who lets them wither or withholds them, he who keeps the proletariat from the struggle to win these freedoms and to extend them, that person is one of the proletariat's worst enemies. It doesn't matter how great a love for the proletariat he feels or fakes. It doesn't matter whether he calls himself an anarchist or a Christian socialist or whatever. He harms the proletariat just as much as a declared foe. It is all the same whether he does this from evil will or simply from ignorance. He must be fought against in the same way as acknowledged opponents of the proletariat. That is strict. I don't know if I'm going to fight openly against everyone who um, is buying into BioGladio right at this moment, but um, that's what Kautsky said. Engels says, on the subject of proper relations to liberal bourgeois opposition to absolutism, Engels gave this advice. Even if the worst came to the worst and the bourgeoisie was to scurry under the skirts of reaction, that is the feudal forces, right? And today the forces of reaction uh, go with fascism. That's their, their force, right? 
James of Prolocult on, on YouTube, Prolocult, uh, that made History is Marching and A Dying Culture and other great Marxist-Leninist documentaries, has a great take, a uh, great new film on fascism. And that's great for kind of really refining our definition of what it actually is. Uh, and we are at a similar moment where you know, we might not strictly be uh, in a f quite a fascist moment in the narrow sense right now, but it may really happen. And it may really, I mean, think with the Russian, uh, the Ukraine war right now, we really are seeing like maybe a real fascist moment in uh, James's real strict sense of organized decay, because that's what, you know, we might be seeing very kind of like Rojava IS type situation where there's different sides that seem to be fighting each other, but the overall effect is to, that they're actually targeting the population and the infrastructure and the society. It's a, it's a form of organized decay, perhaps, right? But at this time in the 19th century, we have all of the social democratic uh, communist sort of figures that everyone respects today. Uh, they were definitely on the side pushing for bourgeois civil society to be established for the first time. So scurry under the skirts of reaction for fear of the workers and to appeal to the power of those elements hostile to itself for protection against the workers. Even then, the worker party would have no choice but notwithstanding the bourgeoisie, to continue its agitation for bourgeois freedom, freedom of the press and rights of assembly and association which the bourgeoisie had betrayed. Without these freedoms, it will be unable to move freely itself. In this fight, it is fighting to establish its own life element, to obtain the air it needs to breathe. This is on page 89 of Lenin Rediscovered, by the way, so you can find it too. So, no, freedom is not exclusively a bourgeois liberal concern. As a matter of strategy, the proletariat absolutely needs it as well. And they, any curtailment of basic civil freedoms will be used against the most vulnerable people first. I'm not worried about imaginary white working class here. I don't think that really exists even. Uh, no, I'm not thinking about Walter and his... Uh, in this, I'm finishing my coffee. I will inform you the Supreme Court has roundly rejected prior restraint. Yeah, I'm not talking about any white guy in a, in a diner kind of talking about his, his civil, his freedoms and rights. No, I'm talking about the most vulnerable uh, members of the working class, which has always been majority POC, sexual minorities, right? Uh, those are the people. Just as any new gun laws are going to be only enforced on black people first. It's going to be in one more excuse to shoot black people, okay? Uh, same thing with any curtailment of freedom of assembly, freedom of movement. And we've seen this around the world. We've seen how many the black, uh, even like a prestigious like hip-hop producer was practically beaten to death in his, in his home uh, in Paris, right? There was this horrible video. Engels wrote a letter to Kautsky in 1882 in which he remarked, Polish socialists who failed to put the liberation of the country at the forefront of their program remind me of those German socialists who were reluctant to demand the immediate repeal of the anti-socialist law and freedom of association, assembly, and the press. To be able to fight, you must first have a terrain, light, air, and elbow room. Otherwise, you never get further than chit-chat. This metaphor of light and air will be important for a long time. 
Finally, we have Lenin. Without political freedom, all forms of worker representation will remain pitiful frauds. The proletariat will remain as before in prison, without the light, air, and space needed to conduct the struggle for its full liberation. In this prison, the government is cutting a tiny little hole instead of a window and setting up this opening in such a way as to bring more benefit to the gendarmes and spies who are guarding the prisoner than to the prisoner himself. And this is the kind of reform that the butchers of the Russian people want to pass off as the great good deed of the Tsarist government. But the Russian worker class, with the help of this opening, will breathe into itself new strength for struggle. It will level to the ground this cursed all-Russian prison and conquer for itself class representation in a bourgeois democratic state. So for all three of these thinkers, uh, in I think Lars T. Liz's phrase at one point is that bourgeois freedoms are too important to be left to the bourgeoisie. Now, I've heard some people saying freedom is just a liberal bourgeois idea. This is not something that proletarian thinkers and activists and organizers can be can concern themselves with. Uh, no, not at all. Not historically, that is c- completely wrong, and it's wrong in this moment as well. And this is why you gotta you gotta take the the conspiracy pill a little bit. You gotta get those eyes where you see the rodeo shows that they put on. Can you not see the rodeo shows now? They're getting more and more sort of or- open about it, right? You I mean you get. Um, first of all, the army has literal departments of psychological operations, and they brag about having full spectrum dominance. That means that they are in control of what is being said in every single ideological niche of society, right? And everybody is playing the tune that they want, that they call, okay? Uh, that's what, that's their ideal anyway. Um, and you can see that this Laura Adelson, Laura Adelson too is her handle. This dead-eyed lady who who does uh, um, misinformation studies and <laughs> preventing misinformation. Um, very clear from the thread. Uh, 100%. Her job is to uh, do regime propaganda, uh, right? Um, as someone who studies misinformation, the past week has been a masterclass on how positive actors with a strong information operation and tech platforms being somewhat sensible, uh, can create an environment in which misinformation struggles to take hold, meaning anything other than the regime, uh, propaganda line. They have just openly blocked from social media. This isn't happening in Japan, but, uh, all over the West, you can't see RT. You can't see anything at all about from anything Russian related. Uh, Russians are losing their jobs left and right. The most, you know, freedom, uh, liberalism, orchestra, you know, orchestras that through the Cold War were sort of like, oh, look how free and non-political music is. It's a universal language, and now Russian conductors are getting fired. They're given a 24-hour ultimatum to denounce their own country uh, or they'll be fired, right? It was They were doing this a little bit to China, but now it's just like, you know, like right after 9-11 kind of levels of just anything, denouncing anything Russian, right? Uh, and then, yeah, we had the, the trucker convoy stuff, which is 
isn't it interesting they use that same term convoy that's the term that like trump was using to talk about the immigrant convoy the refugee convoy wasn't it uh coming up and they probably have isis in them yeah they probably got isis so it's just two it's the same kind of narrative a convoy is coming and when the climate change refugees uh, they're already fucking coming but when they you know this is going to continue to be the the narrative and they just tweak it a little bit for different audiences right i mean it's the same pro wrestling shit you know um this laura adelson goes on right um Click here to see the ghost of Kiev, that badass lady with the sunflower seeds, the heroes of Snake Island. These are, at, medi- at minimum, factionally, factually questionable, but they are conveying a sense of the Ukrainian people that is sticking. Even after they're debunked, the feeling remains. She's coming right out and telling you, okay, you rubes, we're just making shit up. We're making up stories, and it's for your own good. It's for your own good. You, sh- you should be happy that misinformation is not taking hold. This is moral clarity. Okay, so does this put in different light? Like, um, the January 6th, the same fucking citizen journalist guy who is, like, brothers with somebody. Like, his family tree is spooky as hell. Um, you know, that's another one. It's on the Discord. Um, you can see I have the... the there's the same guy was at January 6th as a provocateur on the liberal side. He was playing a liberal. Uh, and then he goes to, he's, he's hanging around Ukraine, just happens to be in Ukraine, happens to be pointing his camera at the sky at the moment that the missiles come and hit whatever it is, right? And he's broadcasting all these images before any news outlet in the world has it. Yeah, no, the normal, legit stuff. Um Right, you'd be some kind of crazy. It's right wing to to look at that and think about that, isn't it? No, this is not a. <laughs> you're, this is what this is a, a strategy. Okay, it's a two pronged, uh, double kind of double edged gladio type thing to make you afraid of. If you're a liberal, you will hate the rubes and the pigs and the squealing hogs, right? The jug hooting. Um, Jug hooten, uh, hooten nannies, whatever, uh, uh, you know. And if you are a conservative, you hate the Muslimic uh, infiltrators, the ISIS, uh, Hispanic, uh, Spanglish uh, uh, border crossing, right? Uh, illegals, right? It's the same shit, though. It's the same shit. If you are a good citizen, you're going to subscribe to one of those two. And the net effect is going to be the exact same of you are going to, you can be a liberal and you will gladly march in lockstep with the most fascist stuff, which is already here, but worse is coming, right? And that's going to be the thing when the climate change refugees are coming. Uh, For liberals, it might be they're not vaccinated. They don't wear masks, they don't, you know, all of this stuff, right? Again, I support masks, okay? I mean, I, I realize they have a role. They work, you know, to some extent. Um, and they should be used if and when they are necessary, right? And, you know, uh, a health policy that was decided by a government that really has its own people's best interest, uh, first and foremost, uh, which we have seen to some extent. I mean, I do think that China, Vietnam, Cuba, uh 
can definitely be given a lot of benefit of the doubt, and I think they have much more this this uh, orientation, right? And so, you know, looking to them might be good. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, it's, I sort of see, like, on the left, people who are MLs and not Maoists, right, um, the more they would sort of accept, first and foremost, China as, like, actu actually existing socialism, um, there's this weird tendency, though, to say, therefore, whatever kind of coronavirus-branded mandates that we get from the obviously pharma-captured bourgeois um, dictatorships of the U.S., Canada, etc., should be followed and enforced to the letter. And that's a, that's a left-wing position. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because... Uh, you know, there's a meme going around of, of uh, who's the fucking guy from Seinfeld? Uh, George Costanza. Yeah, George has, like, got a wallet that's fat as a, you know, triple Big Mac. And he's it's got a bunch of receipts and stuff in it. And he's, like, searching for my 11th booster, proof of booster uh, immunization before whatever. Well, you know, now I think we know that's not going to happen. Pretty on a dime, like, all of the mRNA stocks plummeted. They withdrew the application to the World Health Organization to have the immunization of children. Uh, it seems clear. And then the um, they tried to block until like 2060 or something the big list of uh, side effects from the vaccine. I happen to know like three people, really, just in my workplace, actually, uh, who lost uh, two weeks, a whole summer to vaccine side effects. Uh, probably, or, you know, they're sort of theorizing, oh, maybe I just really caught the coronavirus, like, at the place where I got the thing. Um, but, like, around me, it's not, there's no, um, there's no hiding that, okay? And it's in the documents now uh, the, that Pfizer just released, okay? There's lists as long as your arm of side effects. Well, trust the science, okay? That's what's out there, so... Um, what is a leftist to do? Uh, I would really suggest that, again, you know, don't accept this idea that, um, uh, like, we'll look at what the enemy is doing. The enemy is, has a great system for taking any kind of legitimate discontent and funneling it into these pro wrestling shows, these rodeo shows, right? where again and again with the, the truck convoy, they were getting, uh, the Mounties were getting caught organizing it, right? And there's the interpretation of that. Oh, that means that, I mean, it's just, it's organically right wing or something, right? But if you know anything about the history going back to uh, Reagan, I think, right, scuttled a big deal where a bunch of farmers were going to be able to sell their grain to the Soviet Union. Uh, no, it wasn't fucking Reagan. It was, it was Jimmy Carter, it was Jimmy Carter, um, and uh, he scuttled that. And at the exact same time, the John Birch Society and all these uh, far-right militia organizations were seeded all around to pick up all of these discontented people who were losing their farms, right? All these farmers who were going out of, out of business, going broke, right? And that's a perfect, you know, you, you can actually use those as right-wing militias, uh, but there's this media element which is being becoming extremely prominent, right, of making them be the bad guys that liberals sort of think, oh, at least I'm not one of them. Those are the bad people. All the problems are their fault, 
right? And then, of course, on their side, we know we're very familiar with the kind of right-wing uh, mind that demonizes minorities and all of that. That's, but they're both different kinds of fascism, okay? These are different kinds of fascism. We need to stop, on the left, thinking of liberals as the least bad people. Uh, we need to stop that. They can be, uh, you know, way worse. Uh, even social democratic ones, even social democratic ones, you know, it really is um, the left wing of fascism. We are seeing that in real time right now. Sort of the more liberal you are right now, the more likely you are to support NATO. It really does seem. So this is the importance of reading, the importance of interpretation. You got to be able to spot. You got to be able to spot this stuff and get ahead of it, you know. Look at, see the rodeo show for what it is and don't buy into it because they'll have you cheering uh, the destruction of the last uh, vestiges of any kind of uh, bourgeois freedom, which again, you know, although it's not an end in itself, it is what makes a whole lot of proletarian organizing, you know, possible. Otherwise, you're going to only have a protracted people's war and you don't, you don't want that. You don't want to go there. Okay, you don't want to have to go there. Um, that makes it everything way harder. Um, and there's nothing anyone like you know me or you know speaking again, sort of to subtweeting a little bit. Um, anybody that has a fucking podcast or is a fucking academic is not going to be doing a free Huey. I don't think you're not going to be. You're that's not you. Okay, we're. I, you, you're way on the front. You're on the front end. You're above ground, okay? You're not, you know, I'm not breaking any laws, officer. I, I'm not, no. Um, that's not who I, that's not my calling, okay? Um, you don't have the same person doing, no, nobody would, right? And nobody would think that you would. But I can just direct your attention to what actually happened as a result of, First of all, January 6th, what happened as a result of that? Biden designated uh, anti-capitalist extremists as a new kind of domestic extremist. Okay, who's it going to be used against? There you go. That's what happened there. These gladio events get people to accept uh, more authoritarian measures. They think it's going to be against uh, these hoot and hollering hogs, but it goes right against the left every fucking time. And in Canada, too. They got the right to freeze your bank account. The, the bank can freeze your bank account if they don't like you. With no court order. No court order. And who did they use it against? I just found out. Thank you very much. Um, I think Lie Hall is how I would, I would read this uh, handle. Um, who is an indigenous person in Canada. Uh, a a uh, listener. Um, has shared that the GoFundMe for Gitumden Gishan and Wet'suwet'en, uh, indigenous organizers, have been closed. And they've heard rumors that bank accounts have also been closed. So congratulations, beat the, beat the hoot and holler and hogs there. Um, no, see, if you were calling for that, if you were help, you know, cheering that on, you know, time to take, time to take stock here. Take stock, take, you know, good, good, take a good old stock, chicken stock, pork stock, pork bones, you know, just thick, uh, get it on the, you know, feel the, 
Feel the deep flavor. Feel the bone marrow in there. All right. Take stock. That's time. Uh, that's a stupid joke, I guess, but whatever. Civic freedoms are air and light to the proletarian movement. All right. Um, if it has to go to just protracted people's war, then, um, you know, uh, no comment. But um, you don't want to go there. Okay, we don't want to go there. Uh, no, we want to be able to meet and gather and have reading groups. Uh, you know, they have rules against gatherings, unauthorized gatherings of too many people, even in a private residence in like Philadelphia. And when they have a law like that on the books, that means that the cops can, how do they use those laws? You have to understand how those laws will be used in practice. It's going to be, uh, now the cops have that excuse to break up any kind of gathering that they don't like, okay? It doesn't have to, you know, you're not going to be able to prove, oh, the, the cops aren't going to say, oh, I see this, you are following the COVID regulations. I, my bad, I'll leave you alone. No, I mean, they, that's not how it works. There is this law, they're going to bust in on whatever, you know, that'll be their little flimsy justification, for doing uh, whatever the fuck they want to you, you know. Um, so, again, air and light to the proletarian movement is uh, civic freedoms, right? The last shreds of it that we have. And we need to be good readers, you know. What I would really recommend, listeners to this podcast, I would hope that you could find like-minded people around you in real life, maybe be totally offline with it, and form a reading group to read, become a good reader and a good interpreter and see with those class goggles, see, put on those glasses and see, you know, uh, you got to have the lenses for the gladio uh, trickery and the rodeo shows. You got to see, oh, this is being, this is a puppet that's being put up and I'm supposed to condemn this, right? And that's going to get me to accept this other stuff that strategically is going to be the strongest weapon against me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what I have to say. Uh, and this be a good reader because uh, meaning is fluid. Meaning is fluid. The ruling class understands this. This is why they fund all this postmodern shit. Uh, right. And um, not the kind that that gets you in uh, demobilizing kind of, oh, no meaning can ever sort of connect or whatever. No, they they find ways to make meaning to make meaning mean, right? Uh, the ruling class makes meaning work for them all the time. Um, and it's only a certain kind of, of uh, you know, criticism that leads you into this demobilizing, deflationary kind of thing where anything I try to do, it's just, oh, it's all in language and it's all, you know, endlessly uh, doomed to not, not mean. Uh, no, no. That's not, well, that's not how they use it. You know, there's different, maybe different things for different people, I would think. It's interesting to think about how technology transfer is a part of class struggle. The ruling class will borrow, say, the Maoist reading group from proletarian struggle and use it to create the internet chat room, the social network, right? And uh, all kinds of counterinsurgency techniques, right, are developed in and through uh, struggle, right? This is counterinsurgency. Everything is counterinsurgency, you, you know, and you have to understand that dance, uh, that 
you know, it's kind of a yin and yang situation. Uh, we definitely want to be on one side of it, but you got to understand the other side, right? Know your enemy better than he knows himself. And just as knowledge of the past and understanding of the past, I think really does lead into prophecy, powers of prophecy. I think that understanding the situation, being able to read the dynamic and the dialectic of the moment gives you power to act in this current situation. And again, the ruling class understands this and they, they are doing it very well, right? They're reading, they're uh, creating the conversation that they want to be happening and they are sucking any kind of energy that could potentially help uh, us into this meaningless hall of mirrors and this rodeo show. They've got people cheering at, and jeering, cheering and jeering at respective halves of the uh, performers here on social media. And you can see how this is being seeded. It is being seeded by particular influencers, right? The kinds of people who are were at the Capitol January 6th and they suddenly show up in Ukraine. It's... Uh, yeah, so so what I would really recommend more than anything is uh, yeah, and we don't we just something that we don't hear, which is would you ever hear of of leftists embedding with a, a factory? You know, and people people sneer at that. I think I've heard people sneer at that. Oh, cosplay as a worker or something. Don't don't pretend you're a worker or something. Um, I don't I don't know why that is uh, something to be sneered at. Uh, why don't we hear about people who actually just go and you know live among the masses and uh, you know the really potentially the most revolutionary sections of the working class learn how they think and feel? One of the reasons why I think we don't see people doing that is because the dynamic, a moment like um, trucker convoy or whatever, you know the various uh, anti-lockdown protests uh, across the world you know um that argument that i had the person was marshalling all of these uh screenshots of headlines together with a photo and it's always a photo of just an enormous crowd way bigger than any org that i know of could ever just marshal right so um and then next to that it's always uh fascists and racists are marching against the vaccine mandates so you know what's going on here uh you know could it only be fascists they're all definitely just dyed in the wool fascists and and that's just so no i don't think so i think there's some this is inchoate stuff but it's being branded in a certain way for certain audiences and it's being directed actively maybe in those directions those elements are being strengthened i'm sure right but then even, you know, on the level of just everyday organizing, um, it's much easier to sit on Twitter and sort of say, you know, oh, this one is clearly, you know, petty bourgeois, and therefore we have nothing to gain from engaging with it in any kind of way, right? That's not any kind of, especially if you are a, a settler, right? If you are I don't know if people should call themselves settlers, I wonder. I used to have that in my Twitter bio, but I took it out because I don't live on stolen land myself at all. So maybe I'm, 
I don't know if you can say that I'm a settler. Uh, I come from that background. I, you know, benefit from all of that, all of, you know, all of this. I would never deny that. Um, I would love, by the way, uh, re-education session. Um, I would love, uh, somebody on the, see here, I got to criticize, uh, somebody on the kind of parapolitics side. Um, you know, there was somebody kind of coming out with a whole jokey thread about, uh, America, caca, and, you know, we need to take all citizens for re-education and take them off their land and confiscate all, all land, uh, and so on. Uh, now if you, if, if land back and if uh, re-education of settlers is a joke to you, then you know you don't understand the deep implication and the class collaborations that have happened with the settler class. Like you, you do need to understand that there is a whole like Jay Sakai type point that is real, right? That is real, and anybody that ignores that can't possibly understand really the depth of the horrible sort of crimes that uh, on the parapolitics left you you learn about, right? Things like how deeply entwined Iran-Contra was, something like that. You know, look at Bill Clinton and Mina Airport. There's like, um, and any given region, you know, there are just all these spooky places and kind of um, networks of literal human trafficking that had turned out to be in some uh, local locality and it has it's intertwined with settler colonialism still all those same forces are still operative you know it's all part of a, a, a thing that definitely needs to be very systematically dismantled uh, and there's a great um, interview I keep linking it all to all different people but um, an interview with Barack Kushner about his book uh, from devils to men to devils devils to men something like this uh, on the New Books Network, New Books in Japanese Studies. And he gives a great little summary of uh, this very successful re-education campaign by the Chinese uh, People's uh, Republic against uh, Japanese war criminals who kept going back to visit their former captors and their former uh, teachers, right? Uh, they founded peace organizations when they went back to Japan, and for the rest of their lives, they were great friends of China. They went back all the time. Uh, they sincerely believed in the cause of peace and anti-imperialism from their hearts after that, right? Because they learned uh, the truth. They learned the truth. And uh, I, would I would so love for, you know, chances for that uh, to happen. In the United States and other settler colonies, you know, us, we white people, we can... Uh, for people that have ears to hear, people that have ears to hear, and they might not, you know, people might be very behind and backward and not advanced, right? All this stuff requires real patience and real kind of a sense of self-sacrifice, tirelessness in teaching, right? Not putting up with, you know, people are, there's a limit. There's definitely a limit, and, you know, reaching settlers is not, I'm not suggesting that that's like priority number one in any kind of way, right? But when uh, you see a picture of just enormous crowds, you know that there is some genuine mass energy that's popping off here. And the, the, the shobu, right? The actual, like, uh, the game, the, 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 what is at stake, the crucial thing that needs to happen, 
uh, the question is, who is going to take control of that energy, right? Who's going to co-opt it? Who's going to move it in what direction? Who's going to um, organize it, right? And the enemy is very good at organizing. They are very dialectical thinkers and they're very good organizers. They're very good peddlers of worldviews, right? They'll get you thinking of everything in terms of IP, of branded content. Everything is Harry Potter. Everything is Marvel superheroes, right? No, and, and there, there could be a potentially leftist version of that. We don't want to fall into that. Um, we got to live in the moment. We got to be in touch with uh, reality for sure. And that, that means being a good reader first and foremost. Yeah, so start that reading group. But, you know, uh, that's why we need, you know, people, if you're white, uh, you need to be talking to white people. You need to, you, you don't, uh, do not fall into that liberal kind of sneering at uh, the hootin' hollerin' hogs. That's not, uh, you're, you're jeering at the rodeo clowns that the security state is putting up there for you to jeer at. And all of the energy that you generate uh, with your jeering is just going to be used to uh, make new restrictions on civil liberties that will only be used against the left and against the proletarian movement. Again, talk to the, ask the Wet'suwet'en uh, organizers, right, who just got their uh, bank accounts frozen, okay? Uh, that's who I most care about, uh, their freedom. That is who I'm talking about, right? Um I think we should also be, again, we should also be talking to white people. White people should be talking to white people. Uh, but uh, these new powers, uh, these new authoritarian powers are going to be used against the most vulnerable and the most potentially revolutionary segments of the working class, um, which, and I do mean uh, indigenous people, people of color, okay? So... You heard what, I won't repeat what Kautsky says about people who, uh, who would do that, but um, listen, go back and listen again for your reference if you need to, because it's important right now. So with that, I think, you know, this is a kind of newsy episode maybe. Um, maybe I'll leave it at that because we're almost at an hour. Uh, that's all right. We'll have a shortish one right now. And uh, we'll keep going next time. Next time I have uh, another kind of historical thing. Um, I'll just tease the title. I think the title is going to be Zen Was Made Up by a Guy in Illinois. I'm Fergal Schmoodlock, and I have anointed you with the anointing of the kingless generation. Tate uetaru mono yo. Imazohi Iza tatakawan,
いざ戦わんいざ奮い立ていざアインターナショナル我らがもの